Installment of our second series, series. The Perverted, The Deranged, The Enticing, The Sadistic, The Demented, The Horny, Erotica. Erotica. And today we are discussing. Should we say our names? Oh, yeah, we have to say our names. We must otherwise they won't know who we are. No, I'm Irene Marquette. I'm Aggie Hewitt. And this is the experts. Yeah, you got you got the words. Yeah. And this is the third installment of our erotica series where we are discussing the story of O. The story of O. The um famous French novella. I would, you would call it a novella and not a novel? Well, I don't know. I mean, how long is a novella versus novel? I think it's 250 pages. So I feel how like... How long was this? This was like 250 pages. That's what I mean. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a novel. I feel like a novella would be like... 100 pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're oh, like, this uh, is a short story. A novella is like a long short story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This was a full-on book. This is a novel. Yeah. Yeah. The Story of O, published 1954 under the pen name Pauline Rayage. But her real name is something else. Anne Desclose. She also had other pen names, but uh, she didn't reveal her identity until quite recently, and then she died. Yeah, I I read about the existence of, but did not read the interview with her in uh, The New Yorker called, like, I wrote The Story of O, and it's just her unmasking herself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you wrote something world known, like w- like known all over the world and also very controversial and it wasn't under your name, you would want to reveal yourself before you died. Of course I would. But I mean, I'm such a narcissist. I'd probably reveal myself immediately and just be like, it was me and nobody would really <laughs> like it. <laughs> it w- I think it would lose something, but at least I would gain something. Attention. yeah i feel like it's kind of an old-fashioned thing it's classy it's french to be anonymous to be like anonymous but only like you and your lover know that you wrote it for him and he's his name is on it but yours isn't and then you're like it was me it was me all along along. and you've been like getting off on that for fucking 50 years or something (laughs) it is it's like the wife from the shadows (laughs) Like the book, The Wife slash movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. So she wrote it for her lover who was a publisher. He wrote the introduction. Yeah. And the whole introduction is like, who are you, you magnificent creature? Who would ever write such a (laughs) sexy book? Oh, my God. Who did it? And I think it's kind of only I could know you. I know. It's like, all I know is that you're a woman because it's so feminine, womanly. And like, all you want to do is serve your master. And who are you? Oh, my God. Getting such a boner as he writes it. And clearly he knows knows exactly who wrote it. His girlfriend. Yeah. And we both liked this book. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. 
this was a nice departure from some of the other stuff we've been reading, I thought. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would call it a nice departure, but I would say it was a welcome change. All right. A welcome change. I mean, I guess I don't know how much of a departure it can really be because it all... It all comes back to the same stuff when you're dealing with this kind of writing. Yeah. Women getting tied up and spanked until their butts are red. It's a lot of red butts. It's a lot of red butts. It's a lot of tear straight, like stained faces. It's kind of like same old, same old. It's the same old, same old. But this has a more, I guess, literary element. Yeah. This has more... um, Psychology, uh, I psychology. Thought. This has a plot. It has <laughs> character development. I mean, it just has things that you would want in a book. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not like an like a true assault of, on your senses of like Sleeping Beauty being kidnapped and raped over and over again, as we read last week with the Sleeping Beauty book. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's got a lighter touch, but it's still like it's it's pretty it's pretty intense and it's pretty harsh and like it goes to some extremely dark places yes it's very dark but there is um yeah there's more of a literary element there's more there's characters it's it's more of a feast for the senses (laughs) I feel like the translation um like the fact that it was written in French and translated into English like you were saying the other day, like there's an elevation to that already. Yeah. But also like some of the some of these scenes, uh, the way that like certain things are described, there's like more poeticisms to it. And you yeah. really have to like think about what it is they're saying. It's not um, it's not as explicit. It's not as crass. But what is happening is extremely fucked up. Yeah, but it's like, I feel like because the language is sort of like softer and dare I say more feminine, um, it has kind of a lighter touch and it sort of communicates a sense of pleasure in a different way that you feel like the the narrator and also the titular O uh, are enjoying the experience yeah, and the the fact that it was written for her to, like, turn on her lover and, like, to give yeah. him something that he wanted, she wrote this for that purpose, It, I feel like she's still working out a lot of her own stuff, and, like, it is very feminine, but it is the first time that we've seen, like, a woman writing something like this for the audience of a man, where the other two books that we read... I feel like we're more like by women for women, like with the intention to like get other women off. This had a very different function. And I think that she's like working through some stuff, but she's also like speaking to somebody specific. Yeah, that's really funny because I hadn't really thought of it like that, but that's exactly right. And it had been um, this is the definitely like the best regarded book that we've read so far. And it's the one that's considered to be like smart and lit- literary and elevated and um sort of like the grandmother of the other books that we read yeah like it is like this genre existed before and next week we're going to read Marquis de Sade which is probably like the genesis of this kind of thing yeah and this is also like um that book is also like referenced in like the open like in the preface to this book is like who's the like the female sod basically is like how she's described yeah that which makes me so curious what do you think about going back in time the way we have with these I like it because we were I mean, I, I think it would have been interesting to go the other way, too. But this is kind of a fun way of doing it because we saw we were like 
Fifty Shades of Grey, what the fuck? And then we read the Anne Rice thing and we were like, what the fuck? But I kind of get it. And then we read this and we're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's like the picture is coming into focus. It's like, oh, I see. This is like a tradition of fucking perverts. and <laughs> Women perverts. Yeah. But also like, th- like things kind of become like a... Um, I don't know, like a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy after a while. Like the difference between this and Fifty Shades is so vast. Yeah, it's so vast, but they also take these like cultural changes. So yeah. like America in whatever, like when were those written? Like 2008 or something Yeah, is a completely different like social, political climate than you know france in the 50s yeah i'd like to talk about france in the 50s a little bit later but all right i was wondering if we should describe just like in broad strokes yeah we should probably just describe like what happens in this book and like what it's about so it starts with this woman her name is O, and she's being chauffeured to a place that she doesn't know yeah she like gets in a cab with her boyfriend and there's a chauffeur and he's like take off your stockings and your panties and she's like okay like whatever also she's not a doe in the woods she kind of already is like an older like she's not a virgin like she's not like appalled by this or shocked or anything she's just kind of like what's this all about no and we get like more information about her sexual history and like her like sexual preferences and it's like as the story goes on and you get more information about her and her past this uh path that she's chosen like feels like a path that has been chosen by like a fully mature like adult who knows yeah. what the deal is someone who's is, making like, a choice yeah yeah like this is i know what i'm getting myself into and like this is what i want which yes. i think is a big difference from the Either other books of the other yeah two. i mean especially sleeping beauty honestly but both of them yeah yes yeah uh so yeah. she goes to this uh she goes to this house where uh the whole purpose is to train her to be a submissive yeah and it's sort of it's like a school for submissive she meets these two women who are like okay you have to put like rouge on your nipples and something on your vagina and you never wear underwear again lipstick on your vagina lips because who doesn't like that and then there's a whole scene later in the book where she's like trying to rouge her pussy lips yeah and it's like it's not dark enough nothing will stick what do i do and it's like i don't just like don't do it don't do it idea was this that is like i i read that part like twice because I've never, first of all, I've never heard of that before. Sure. No, yeah, me neither. It's like, or the nipple thing either. The like, nipple makes kind of like some kind of sense to me, but that feels like older, like you're a like a prostitute in a brothel yeah. and like your tits are hanging out all day and like you want to make them look appealing. Sure. That's, I, I don't know. I feel, I that mean, feels like, like Renaissance. Yeah, I guess that so. like, cause I can't imagine like what color, like what like that one color would be better than another for your nipple. Yeah, because there's a guy who's like, get a darker color. Yours are like, this is too dim. But then there's some people who like love a pale nipple. Yeah. And some who love a very dark nipple. I think the thing is that you have to know your audience. What color nipple do you like? Tell us in our poll. Just kidding. We don't have one. <laughs> we don't care. Not yet. No, never we, will. No, not about don't. that. No, no, no. Uh, so she goes, she goes to this place. She endures a series of... Um, uh, rituals intended to uh, like turn her into the perfect submissive. Yeah, she gets like a valet whose name is like Pierre or something, and he's just this nasty old pervert who just beats her. But she, her lover, will like pop in and out, and 
all, she's not allowed to like look him in the eye. She's not allowed to address. She's not allowed to talk to any man directly. She's yeah. not allowed to speak. Her mouth is for one thing only. Actually, wieners. two things: wieners and crying, screaming in agony, or like eating grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall her eating a lot of food in this. I don't either. I, I don't. But I'm sure she had to eat something while she was there. Oh, no. She's eating a croissant when she first, there's like kind of a funny scene at the beginning where she's like about to have coffee and eat a croissant. And then like all the guys walk in with their like dicks out and she like drops it. She like drops her croissant on the ground in like, like, oh, no, in shock. Like, there goes breakfast. like yeah, um, which is so French. Um, it's so French. And then they like tie her up in a basement for who knows how long. It sounds like she doesn't get a bath until it's all over. And it ends up being, she's, it's like, is it months? Is it days? And it was two weeks, a fortnight. A fortnight. She's, um. She's just getting like whipped and stuff by these people. Yeah. And just like fucked by an endless parade of men that she doesn't see. Yeah. And like, is this where they put something in her butt to like stretch out her butthole? I think it is around this period. It definitely pops up with the Sir Stephen stuff yeah so sir steven is like a little bit later maybe he does okay so she so she's here in this like place and all the ladies have to wear these sort of like complicated outfits no underpants you wear a dress that rolls up in the front and is like tied with a belt yeah it sounds like um i mean i imagine like a milkmaid's outfit like a um what i imagined i think was probably not what they were picturing but yeah. I would I am surprised that there's any debate over whether or not this book is written by a woman because everything about it felt so feminine to me. Yeah, I mean like the clothes they talk about like the mules that she has to wear and how it's just a tiny strip of like green satin on the shoe so it can barely stay on and she's like tried holding on as she's walking. Yeah, that's I feel like a detail a man would never consider. Um, yeah. And there's a whole section where she's uh, getting dressed to go have dinner and it's the winter. And she's like, the, she's dressing herself to like be sexy at this dinner and to be ready for anything, but also like for the cold. And yeah. the, um, it's so interesting to read this after 50 shades and uh, like how wealth and object, it's so interesting to me how like objects are fetishized and like brands. It's like there's no this book had so much um there's like a real luxe quality to everything. Everything. The everything world she touches and yeah, has. It's, it's like wood and leather and velvet and like and like satin and not just like fifty shades of gray, like musky wood sex room, but like and like a steel building on a fucking car. It's like Tom Ford. Yeah, Audi. like a MacBook or whatever. It's like she has like everything is just like it feels very soft and very like sensual and very kind of delicious in this like which is like kind of a disgust, like a very like NPR way to talk about an erotica book, but it is like it. it you want to read, you want to keep reading it for like all the stuff. I think even if yeah. you're not into the butts and the nipples. Well, and it's like it's more than stuff. It's like objects of substance, and like as it goes on, she's described as a piece of furniture, and like her objectification becomes so. Um, like complete by the end of it the like I don't think that there's a coincidence between like the description of objects and her as like something that becomes huh yeah pure object but there like at that time like there wasn't I mean there were brands but there wasn't like 
brand obsession. Yeah. And it's like brand loyalty replaces taste. And absolutely. There's it's like, oh, I like X, Y, or Z brand. I trust their taste. I don't even care what the stuff is made out of. Like if you were to pick like I think if the average person picked up like a Dior jacket, they wouldn't maybe know or care like how it was constructed or what the materials are or like and I think that at this point in history this world is so connected to like couture culture and yeah she has her dresses are all made and she has to like consider how she's gonna have her dresses made now that she's like part of this other like underground sex world where she has to worry about never wearing stockings and she can only wear things that can be buttoned down the front so she needs to like get these blouses she gets rid of everything else like everything is like specifically made tailored and she's concerned with the style in this way that you know these other books are not yeah to like bend herself around the rules of this world that she has like voluntarily joined yes so that's like part of like when she ends up leaving this um like sadistic training ground yeah she uh she has a ring that identifies her to other members and like Mm -hmm. part of the rules is that if uh, if somebody recognizes the ring, they can like do whatever they want with yeah. her. And uh, yeah. she also like, yeah, she has to be like be ready. No underwear, no, underwear. no stockings, no. just like ready to fuck at all times and have the ring out. So um, as she kind of goes back to like her Renee, her lover who brought her to this like sadistic sex mansion, And she kind of go back to how things were before. And it was sort of like her vacation. You find out she she's a career woman to work and she's a photographer. She's like a fashion photographer. Yeah. And I I thought the way they wrote those scenes was really cool. Like she's like I mean, she's an active um, career woman and like her job is important to her. She's good at her job. Like. She's very, like, in the world. She's not isolated. Yeah. And she's not naive. She's not, like, oh, gee, I wonder if one day I could be a photographer. Like, Anastasia Steele, like, could I ever work for a newspaper? Or, like, she's not someone who dreams of something. She's, like, I feel like she's, like, in her 30s. She already has whatever she wants. She's, like, already working in whatever field she wants to be in. Yes. And that, it's so interesting to have a woman who has that kind of, like, control over her own life. Um, make this choice to be so like li- dominated by the man that she loves and whoever he thinks that should also dominate her. Some people are into it. I mean, yeah. Bless. So they go back to sort of just being like boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, but they always kind of have this like new like layer to their relationship. Yeah, like they now he out. likes the butt. Now he's all about butts and whatever. She's and blowjobs. It seems like blowjobs were very scandalous at the time. I think they might have been. I think they were scandalous until our friend Bill kind of publicized them. Really? I think it scandalized the nation. I mean, I think people obviously it was like happening, but I don't think that it was just like, oh, a blowjob. I don't think it was like a... I don't think it was considered like less than sex. Like when I was a kid, 
I mean, I had the, like, this is humiliating, but I literally had this conversation with my mother when this all came out. I also, I think I know what you're about to say. And I also had this conversation with my mother. And she told me that when she was growing up, that was considered like more than regular sex. That was considered like something you, that was like freaky basically. And she's like, it's not normal to do that. Don't do that with just anybody. Yeah. It's like something that you do with somebody that you love, that you trust. Nowadays, people just give it out like a handshake. Exactly. Yeah. Like a handshake. Exactly. That this was like a crazy thing to do. And like, don't. Well, that's like part of like Bill Clinton's whole defense of that. Like I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He is choosing to define oral sex as something that exists outside of sexual relations. And he fucking did it for all. He changed our lives. He changed. Yeah. He like truly changed culture yeah the president sets the moral tone for the nation and he sure did he made blowjobs fucking no big deal and unless they were a woman unless you're monica Lewinsky, and then then you're a whore and you're fucking toast and jay leno is gonna years. make fun of you oh yeah jay fucking leno jesus <laughs> christ I, jay leno i we should do a jay leno series oh my god honestly i would literally i'd rather do this for another year than fucking watch one episode of that fucking show my god the least funny person who's ever been, been on tv how is it who liked this man i don't understand i don't know blowjobs anyway, blowjobs jay leno the maybe story he's of getting o. one tonight Jay, he's not. But Jay what and um, Magda or whatever. What's his wife's name? I have no idea. Her name is Magda. He, his wife has like a Mavis. Mavis, Mavis Beacon. What's his wife's name? It's something like Mavis or Magda. It's not Agnes. That's my name, but it's kind of in that family. You keep a close um, watch on anybody named Agnes. I oh, I've got to. There's not a lot of us out there. Same with Irene. Not they're a not a lot of Irene's. No, they're all old. Did you know that my grandmother's name was Irene, but her middle no. name was Agnes and oh. everybody called her Agnes and that's who I'm named after, but it's really her middle name. Girl. Crazy, right? No. Yes. Her picture should be our like patron saint. Never seen a picture of her. <gasps> yeah. Actually, I did see one recently last time I went to England, but it was really like pixelated and blown up there. She never had a picture taken. Oh my God. Yeah. Irene Agnes. Yes. Wowie. Nuts. That is nuts. Um, so we get to uh, the part of the story where Renee asks O to dress up. He's going to take her to dinner. He introduces her to somebody special. This is a character we learn is named Sir Stephen. Yeah, they go to like a kind of low class Italian restaurant with like these like ice cream colored map of Italy painted on the wall in a basement and uh she's in such a good mood she wants ice cream and they let her have ice cream for dessert but not coffee but no coffee and they're all being like very weird about like how much they're drinking they're like limiting their drinking I felt like that was all very sinister like the tone of that whole like um dinner was weird I mean, obviously, it's weird. Like, you know what's going to happen. But it was it it felt real. And it felt like, oh, if if you saw those three out together, like you would know what was going on. Yeah. And I'd be like talking shit about them the entire time. And I'd be like, (laughs) oh, my God, these fucking perverts. Like, look at the And I could see. See, the thing is, like, in real life, these people are never like mysterious and sophisticated. They're always these like smug fucking upper middle class like lawyers or fashion photographers but like probably not even something that cool like oh like they're just like they work in finance or whatever and like 
she would be wearing like fucking like knee high leather boots with jeans and she would just be and with like flat ironed hair and just being like oh can i have ice cream they'd be like no and you would be like overhearing it and like sir steven would start like feeding her and it would just like turn into like a fucking spectacle i'd be like we gotta get out of here and you'd you be would, like um check please check please and guess what you'd be in malibu it only happens it's in like it, you'd be on you'd be by the beach and that's where they are they'd all be like drinking out of like a like a fishbowl sized fucking mai tai with three straws as you're telling this story i have a memory of something and i want to i want to share it please it's like a vulnerable memory okay I was a teenager and I was in a bad relationship with a guy and I was like the whole thing was petering out it was one of those things like he broke up with me on Valentine's Day oh, these fucking people. where he's like can't you even see we're not even together anymore and I'm like what like we're literally like at a romantic vista at sunset after like spending it, he was just the worst I'm so sorry can I just real quick yeah. was he a teenager too yes asshole yeah i mean we can't like hold our teenage selves accountable for certain things but he i wish him well and i hope i never see him again so around this time i was like am i gay like this was a question that had been like popping up at various points in my life like if you had seen my teenage bedroom it was pictures of male models angelina jolie like in lingerie and me and then me being like very aggressive about it and my parents being like this is really weird why is this happening so I went I was like I need to figure it out I don't know how to meet women like if I'm going to meet a woman like I'm not old enough to go to a nightclub I don't know any lesbians like is this even is this even oh and Dana Scully was also on my wall (laughs) (laughs) which is probably the most um like uh the biggest tip to it so anyway I like looked up in uh whatever was available at that time like a support group a support group I went to a support I have never told anybody this and I can't believe that I'm sharing it in this format now for the first time okay so I'm a teenager and I go to this like like a lesbian support group and I go to this and it's like in it it's in the back of some store like after hours I went there I felt really weird I didn't know anybody but like we didn't have the we didn't have like resources like there are today so I like go in I sit down and I I was like psyching myself up for like it's gonna be my turn to talk and I'm gonna be like I've always had boyfriends I really like men but like maybe I'm gay like I don't know what's wrong with me and uh right before the meeting started a guy showed up with his girlfriend and they were there cruising for a third and god he uh he did that thing where he had his hand on the back of her neck you know when you see couples walking and do the hand on the back of the neck that is like I don't like to see that. I do not like to <laughs> see he, that. They're sitting next to each other. That is like the body language. And he, she didn't look up. She would like eyes down, wouldn't talk to anybody. And he was speaking the whole time. And I didn't, I never ended up speaking and I never went back. And, I mean, and I never had a girlfriend. <laughs> Do you think that's why? Because you didn't get to meet one at the lesbian support group? 
No, I think because like I met the person I was supposed to be with and Aww. fell in love and like that's yeah. How sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like that like the impulse that like got me into that meeting never went away, but I feel more you know, I'm not like going to support group meetings. Sure. Yeah. You're an adult. I'm in a, I'm, yeah, I'm at peace yeah. with myself. Yes. <laughs> You're not in support. I mean, I don't even understand what that, it's like an AA meeting for lesbians. I guess. I don't know. I was like, this seems like a thing to do. And it was just like all these scared people sitting there, like these like weird women. And I remember looking around being like, nobody here is attractive to me. Like, it's I like thought- being on Tinder. You're like, <laughs> I guess I'll dip my foot in the, my toe in those waters. And you go and it's like, Jesus Christ. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I will say one other thing and I don't mean to throw uh anybody under the bus I I remember the only time I ever vocalized this to anybody I was um in a car with one of my sisters and I I I remember saying like you know me and this guy like we're gonna break up like I know we're gonna break up and when we break up I think I'm gonna try to date a girl and my sister burst into tears I'm sorry. She was a little kid. I mean, what do you... She was confused. Yeah, yeah, that's like a heavy thing to lay on somebody. I didn't have any friends my own age. Yeah. It's the importance of female friendship. I mean, I get it. When I was um, when I was in high school, I told my mom I'm bisexual. And she said, no, you're not. And I said, you're right. And then that was it. That was the end of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I never talked to her about that again. Um, and I never fine. dated a woman. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um and that was the end of that. Yeah, you thought it was going to be like when Tara and Willow um, yeah. met at the witches meeting, but instead yeah. it was just like it was just like some, here's fucking, some pervs. Yeah, a bunch of like uh, women you weren't into, and then like a full blown pervert man <laughs> trying to like seduce everybody, <laughs> fishing. It's like I'm out. Dude. Oh my god, was this out. in Las Vegas? It was in Las Vegas, so you can just imagine. I can't imagine. I lived in Las Vegas for a long time, you guys. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nightmare on Las Vegas Boulevard. That's right, baby. Something that was interesting about this book to me, I don't know if this is, okay, Sir Stephen. We should say Sir Stephen, it, like, they the, the trio goes back to Sir Stephen's home and seems like very wealthy. Yeah. I mean, this is post-war. These people are living large. Yeah, family money, I guess. Family money. Um, he. It turns out he and Renee are related uh, through like. Um, it's it, well, he's American. Yes, yeah. and he's ten years older than Renee, but they. Uh, it's like Sir Stephen's father married Renee's mother, something like that. So they're like brothers by marriage but they're not explicitly related brothers from other mothers brothers from other mothers and and, fathers and fathers uh who were tied together by modern eskimo complications (laughs) they're eskimo brothers. they they are certainly eskimo brothers so renee because he's the younger brother he um relinquishes control of o to sir stephen yes which i would say was a bad move well, I okay. So this book, I think we both read this in high school. Did you read this in high school? Yeah, but you know what? I think that uh, I think I skimmed a lot of it, and I think I missed a lot of it, and I don't think I got a lot of it. I missed a lot of it just because, like, I was a stupid teenager, and I remember being like absolutely heartbroken in high school when he like gives Sir Stephen O, and being like, 
but they're like meant to be together. And like, she finally gets to be with him again. Like I was so dumb that I was like, so sad that this happened. Oh, of course is also like conflicted about it to say the least, but she's sort of like, I love Renee so much that I'm just going to like, be with Sir Steven because every time I fuck Sir Steven, it's like I'm fucking Renee because uh, this is what Renee wants. Yeah. And like, I think it's important to mention that wrapped up in this entire story is, um, is like the idea of love. Like it yes. comes up all the time. It's a love story. Sort of. It is. It is a, it is a love story. It's, uh, it's like sweet charity a story of a girl who just wanted to be loved (laughs) (laughs) and like work in a factory or something isn't sweet charity she's a um uh a taxi dancer so like like a dime a dance like a stripper yeah yeah i think i'm thinking of the pajama game maybe you are is that doris day i don't know um so yeah, it's like very wrapped up in like love. It ha- like when things get really bad, when like things take uh like an intense turn or are about to, that's usually when Renee like gets in close to her face and is like, "I love you, I love you so much." He um, uh, yeah, it's like whether he actually loves her or just is manipulating her is something that like I was like even still kind of back and forth on in this like this go around with the book the first time I read it I mean I was sure that he loved her and felt like for some reason compelled to do this that I was like it doesn't make any sense it's a mystery and this go around I was like I I mean I still I don't know maybe I'm just naive I still was kind of like what exactly is he getting out of this was the whole thing just like a big scam to get this woman involved in this weird sex game or does he have kind of does he have feelings for her but all of their feelings are sort of like fluid and strange and French and kind of like bounce from person to person and you know always in flux I got the sense that if this story wasn't happening to O, it would be happening to somebody else I did too. I mean, I definitely feel like it has happened to other people in this world. And will in the future. And will. And it does. And O does it to other people too. Yeah. And I think like a big part of this book is like a breakdown of, well, like they're breaking everything down and she, it feels like a very purposeful, um, like dismantling of like her own identity and personality like she doesn't she loves him so much that that thing when you're you're like oh I love him so much like I would die I would destroy myself and it's like okay well let's see what that looks like and that's this yeah I mean there's something also sort of from the preface but like there's something like chivalrous about it from the man's point of view of a woman like completely like degrading herself and disappearing for for did I say I said a woman right a woman yeah degrading herself and disappearing for a man's pleasure is seen as like the ultimate selfless act and it's like he says in the preface like she's descended from a knight because she's so brave and like so willing to sacrifice for love. Uh, 
yeah that's like such a i i hate that (laughs) when i work sorry but when i was at ucb i wrote a sketch called um skinny bride and it was about there was like this family like all these people were like gathered at a wedding and they're like oh have you seen her she's gonna be amazing she looks so beautiful she's been working out so much and then the like music starts and it just like is a and then like from a zip line we just had like an empty dress come down and (laughs) everyone was like she's amazing and it was like she was dead she had starved herself to death and was like non-existent and it was just a cheap a empty dress my god and everyone was like she's so hot oh i want to fuck her and then they all just like took out like funeral like like black armbands like then it became her funeral but they were also like really horny for her because she was dead (laughs) and like it kind of reminded me of the story of oh like someone who just like i feel like what do they want from you just to like if you it's like if you you can't reach perfection until you cease to exist I oh my gosh that's yeah that uh I love the description of that sketch I wish I had seen it and I think that like that is an observation that I had of this as well and I kept thinking about it the entire especially like as her degradation heightens and like it goes from it's weird like it, it goes from something internal to like the marks on her body and like the piercings and it's all of that stuff becomes very like externalized. Yeah. And they also say something, uh, there's also something with Sir Steven after she's given over to him where, um, because she has free will, this is her choice and her bondage is so much stronger. The second time when she's, out in the world and gives herself to Sir Stephen than the first time when she's in the house because now she's she's choosing it and it's like psychological bondage like she's totally basically like brainwashed at that point yeah like anybody can be good in church yes but like how do you act in the real world are you like in Westboro are you carrying picket signs that say like put an iron on my pussy <laughs> she was yeah yes. guys she gets an iron on her pussy. yeah then sir steven like puts an iron on her pu- i don't really understand what it, happens with it, the iron it's like a labia piercing that is but it's like heavy and it's always hanging there yeah yeah oh my god i mean do you think she really had that no i think that i thought a lot of this was allegorical you did? Yeah, I do. I don't think that this reflects like an experience that she had. I don't think it reflects an experience, an exact experience. I think it's like something that I, I think it's sort of like, you know, she and this guy are like winding each other up and they're going so crazy when they're like talking about it. And she kind of put put it on paper. Yeah, I think I, I, I think so, too. I also think some of that I mean, do you you ever read like some supposed classic like love poems or a love song and you read the lyrics and you're like this is fucked up like if somebody wrote this about me I would be so mad about your oh yeah well uh, for example I remember okay the same bad boyfriend let's for fun let's call him Kevin let's do it (laughs) (laughs) i remember uh like one of our on again times he bought me um a print of a painting and it was like 
you know those like famous like Ophelia paintings yes it's, in a river or something yes it's that same painter mm-hmm. and it's like it, that same world and it's um he like had it framed and everything and it's this it's like a woman crouched down and there's a knight and it's like a beautiful like romantic scene and the title of the painting is the beautiful woman without mercy and I remember when he gave it to me being like, oh, a present. Like, sure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, a present. And it's like it's romantic. It's like this like portrayal of courtly love. And when you get a little bit of distance, you look at it's like that's not a romantic gesture. That's an indictment. And that's like how he that's like an example of how he feels about me like like we had a very messed up relationship and he was very hot and cold on me so any like romantic gesture that he did was like always um full of something I don't know condescending or kind of like fucked up in some way do you think that he was like oh because like men are so stupid no offense but come on like do you think that he was like sending you a message or do you think he was just like oh she's gonna like this oh it's a present (laughs) i think he was like extremely smart which was something that was very attractive to me um and he like he would have read all this i mean i don't think he would have read anything like this because i don't think he was ever interested in like what women had to say but he like read poetry and he read the classics and he read philosophy and he was a high school dropout but he was like extremely intellectual very intelligent and i think that this is he played a lot of mind games with me and that is probably faking it too he they're faking it guys like that when they're like i'm really smart i've read everything i know they're liars and they just like want to make you feel stupid yes they love it when you feel stupid and they love it when you like like um genuflect is the wrong word but like when you lower yourself when you cower and it's like you're of course you're the smart one and it's like what do you think about it and it's like they can't analyze shit for shit and they don't put any work in either they just want to make sure that they i feel like guys like that have like 20 books in their back pocket and they're like i'm gonna pull from this 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 and this and peacock for a minute and as soon as you start getting too close i'm gonna pull away and you're gonna think i'm really mysterious but the fact is there's nothing else there yeah my theory my fan theory i mean i really think he read all that alexander pope i think like he was insufferable like I believe, yes <laughs> he, he read it he just was the worst but i feel like gifts like that or or uh somebody recently wanted me to read a love poem that they were giving to some woman and it was like it was um unflattering like you look at it from a woman's perspective and it's like this is not as romantic as you think this is like this is actually really hostile and like if I were to read this I would be offended by it I feel like all this to say if my lover wrote this book for me I would be like oh but a woman wrote it for a man that's what yeah like if so if I like if my like if Brian wrote this book for me and it was exactly the same book I would be like, what the fuck? What? Like, you want me to fuck Sir Steven? What are you talking about? Like your brother? Yeah. <laughs> like, who? You're like, Brad? Brad? Which one? Those are his brothers. But like, I, if I wrote it for Brian, he would be like, 
oh, it's awesome, babe. No, he's not like that. But I mean, he would be like, I think he would think it was cool. Or he'd probably be like, kind of like, wait, you wrote a book. You're like, why? Doing S&M with me and you've never talked to me about this. Are you, what is going on? I just mean like the function of my love for you is so strong. I have to completely break down my body and my brain in order to prove to you how much I love you. Like, like what you were saying about like the skinniest bride. It's like, I like my husband would not want that from me. That's love. Cause that's what love is. Like they want you to be healthy and strong and happy and like do <laughs> the things that you, that you like, you know? And that is, I totally understand that. Cause like, I feel like that, I, I understand that too. Like that's a really important thing that you find in healthy relationships when you're like, this person wants me to realize myself more than they want me to like please or serve them. And that's a really like rare and special thing. Yeah. And this is like such a distilled, like concentrated, um, that emotion of like, I love you so much. I'm willing to destroy myself. This is like a distillation of that idea explored in a story. Yeah. But I mean, at a certain, but like, it's also, it's also like a sexual fantasy. Like, but that's, isn't that the fantasy? But like, there are things that you might do that are like degrading in like a sexual space that, like you can be you can have like a full like sexual life with a person that involves like lots of disgusting shit that is not like polite or socially how you want to be perceived in the rest of your life totally that's like what it's for yeah that's what it's for um and it can also be separate like there are things that I've done to Brian, like, like sexually, that I would never do to him. Like, if we're just like sitting next to each other on the couch, that'd be very rude of me. But like in a sexual situation, he might ask me to, you know what I mean? And vice versa. And like, I don't know, like there, there are, I hope he's okay with me saying that, but like, there are like realms. I don't know where you draw the line between like fantasy and and reality. And I don't necessarily well, yes, I um I totally agree with what you're saying. I don't like this is not like a manual for how to live your life, obviously, but when I read this, I think like you know, there's like a real human woman who wrote this to a real human man and like there's whatever exists between them and their relationship like only they know what that is like only they know what this means to them all we have is like this as a text completely separate from them like they specifically separated themselves from this as a book so that it could stand on its own yeah so when I read this I think like this is a this is a woman telling a man that like the best way that she could show herself that she loves him is to debase and destroy herself in every possible way. But then in the preface, he's like, that ending is so obvious and I know it's not what she really meant. And I think that you intentionally actually left it vague so that O can go and have more adventures. But what about the ending about because there's a couple endings. It's the ending where she dies. Yeah. I think is what he's talking about. I think he's like, she left it. I think he wants O to keep going and keep having more. Like but she commits suicide. Yes. But I think he's like, 
Is she having adventures in the afterlife? No, I think he was like rejecting that as an ending. Oh, I see. I think he's saying like, I don't accept that. He was mansplaining her ending to us. Well, oh my God. It's like, this guy can't win, Irene. (laughs) No, he can't win. (laughs) I mean, I think he was like, I don't. Yeah, I think he was like, yeah, it was kind of a diss. He was like, that ending, no. He's like, that's not what she actually, that's not what she meant. He's like, I think you were intentionally being ambiguous so that you could uh, do a sequel. Well, that's something that we'll never know. Well, we could read that New Yorker interview. <laughs> I guess. I we, mean, she did do an interview with the New Yorker, but yeah. And I mean, it seems like she, you know. But she, we we probably won't because we've been reading too much. <laughs> I put. I went to put my sneakers on the chair, but I'm taking them and off. And then she was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." <laughs> oh, and you're wearing bar socks underneath. Yeah, I did a Pilates class tonight. It's so good, Irene. Thanks. I'm getting my first mammogram tomorrow. That's scary. It is scary. I'm a little scared about it. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's just like, I'm scared it's going to hurt. I think it's going to hurt. But honestly, like reading them on the glass, I got to put them on the steel. It's the steel. (laughs) Anastasia. Anastasia. That's the thing. Reading these books make me think like, oh, the body can endure. Reading these books makes me feel weird when I'm like with my dog and I'm like, sit. And he doesn't sit. And I'm like, you need to listen to me. I'm like, oh, my God. I feel like one of these people. I'm like, I don't want to be such a harsh disciplinarian and like order a living <laughs> being around. But he's got to sit when I tell him to sit. He's got to sit when you tell him to sit. It's the only rule. Um, I would like I, I have a question for you. This is like a bit of a departure. Okay. Have you ever heard of a book called The Mandarins by no. Simone de Beauvoir? Did yeah. I say her name right? I don't know because I've never heard of it. Uh, You know who she is? No. She was Sartre's girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah. She she's like a great thinker in her own right and they like were part of intellectual circles in Paris and she um laid a lot of like the groundwork for modern feminism and did all this other stuff. But she came out with this novel in 1954, which is the same year as Story of O, and it's about the um Parisian intellectual scene after World War II. And it's about, it's basically about people who survived and the war is over and they are like taking stock of like who's left and what their ideals are. And like, it's this, um, this kind of, this despair that you, uh, is really un- unusual, I think, cause it's like, they, they had such a purpose and they fought. And then the war is over and like not everybody made it. And it's like, what was it like? Like, wh- what does anything even mean anymore? Yeah. And it's these people, um, you know, like intellectuals, human beings, like trying to sort through that and hurting each other, fucking each other over, um, like living their messy lives with this, uh, like the knowledge of this horrific thing that they all lived through and I I I don't know what kind of connection there is between those two things except like the need to disappear and the need to be punished and I feel like there is um like in O's flashbacks where she talks about the woman that she was in love with when she's 15 and the woman is 30 that there is like the only real pleasure that you that you really experience is this like lesbian 
like love that she had and it feels like to me like a lot of the book is her being punished for that like her allowing herself to um to feel as bad as she can possibly feel because she loved somebody that she shouldn't or couldn't well she uses her like les whatever it is her attraction to women she ends up using it to benefit the men by recruiting more young women to to go to the like school or whatever she becomes a real Ghislaine she becomes Ghislaine Maxwell to Renee and Sir Stevens Epstein. Yeah. Sir Stephen, I think, is the real. He's the Epstein. Of this scenario. Renee is like Prince Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Turn yourself in, you coward. You fucking disgusting ruddy pig. My God, I hate them I hate so them much. all. I hate them all. All of them. I uh, curated a little podcast for myself of all of the daily episodes that talked about him. Oh, my God. And I, I just like deleted all of the other ones. And then I had I had those five and I was listening to it. I was like, make me so fucking mad. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. But it, it was again, I guess I'm oh, that's like a nightmare of my own choosing. That's right. You are oh, and he is <laughs> Renette. I mean, that's exactly what we said. Uh, you're talking about Michael Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, but like that's a betrayal. Like 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 her uh recruiting those other women and then like And one of them's like 15. Yeah, and yeah. then like being a dom, like taking on that masculine role like for the pleasure of other men, like yeah. it's um it is like a way to perversely expose her own like true desires and yeah. uh and also like betray them at the same time I just feel like I don't have this is something I'm not an expert on but like Paris in this like post-war decade I just I feel like there's a lot going on here that is um culturally important and it feels it feels like it is uh there's something potent being said culturally and I just don't know what that is yeah maybe I mean I may not be getting it either but it's also it is interesting to think about it being like post-war and I really didn't even think about that the entire time that I was reading it and I only thought about it because it reminded me of this other book the mandarins and it doesn't remind me of it in like like tonally there's something I mean it's it's a book about characters and it's about like a whole other host of things the only thing is that like I imagine all of these people existing in the same like in the same like 12 block radius yeah I mean it seems like it and like this definitely was like this book like burst onto like the Parisian literary scene and was like a big like kind of a literary like scandalous fun book that they were reading I think at the yeah time. they all would have read it they all would have read it exactly and that's why it kind of like part of the fun of reading it too um but also because the war you know was such a monumental thing in Europe and I mean if you go to France like both of us have been like lucky enough to be able to go to France and like when you visit humble brag that's like a very humble way to literally brag that we were in France but like when you go there and like I went there with Kevin it wasn't fun we'll do another podcast about it 
you went with Kevin. Yeah, we went for. I don't want to derail what you're saying. We'll yeah, get back know. to it. Well, you were saying that we're very lucky to have visited Paris. Yeah, and um, and like all over the all over the country. I mean, like it's still there. They to this day. I mean, like I went to this like winery uh, in. Um, in uh Chateauneuf de Pop and they were like still kind of like reeling from things that they'd lost and in the war and people were talking about you know the 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 sense of loss is like very palpable there yeah and all over Europe in a way that we don't really connect to in America because we didn't really lose we don't we don't see like we don't see things that no longer exist like we don't have that type of history anyway that they have there where things go back like hundreds thousands of years and we don't have that yeah we're like lucky if we could remember the news from two weeks ago exactly and then like they have and and goldfish over here we don't fucking know and if like if there was anything that was anywhere around us that was lost around world war ii we're like well fuck it who cares it would have been gone anyway but like there it wouldn't have been it still would be used and been around it's a different you know continent different culture so so that i feel like that sense of loss would have been very palpable to the re like the readers of the book at that time yeah and just like the sense of like obliteration like i think oh going on this journey of like this loss of control like she's signing up to let somebody else drive and to not have to be in like it is hard like living every day making choices for yourself <laughs> like like it's it, it, sometimes you want somebody else to take the wheel and jesus take the wheel jesus would you or sir stephen take the wheel well sir stephen does take the wheel and if by wheel we are talking about a butthole he takes the butthole <laughs> it's Stephen, his- take my butthole <laughs> <That's> what- <laughs> it's his preferred path yeah <laughs> um but just like that that um uh yeah the like uh we can think all the thoughts that we want but at the end of the day they're just thoughts they're not action and uh that feeling of emptiness the emptiness of inaction um is something that that other i think is like thematically important to that like people dealing with that in the other book and with this it is like being as active as you can to be passive yeah so you feel like she's experiencing a sense of like um uh, existential uncertainty and like she's overwhelmed with her future because she's lived through the second world war and wants to sort of like relinquish all control of her life to these men. I think that that is a backdrop that contributes to whatever she's experiencing. I think that like she is fixated on this man and projected all of her loving feelings onto him. Uh, even though I don't think that it, I think that um, this other woman was like maybe a more significant, like pure figure do you you think she's a lesbian yes so do you think oh is so do you think that she's getting like sexual pleasure from women but like 
a sense of security for men. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the 50 shades conversation about how like this type of, um, like the, this like S and M fantasy is the natural progression of heterosexual relationships. <laughs> those, those were dark days. 50 shades. I mean, that was a dark, that was some dark shit. Yeah. What our podcast? The or book, that book, the time. I mean, we're living in dark days. 2008 was a dark time. 2019 is a dark time. I mean, I think human history has just been fucking dark. Fucking there was so, like yeah. one year. It was actually six months of 1969. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. And then it all went to hell. <laughs> and that wasn't even really good. No, it wasn't. Really I mean, you've read Joan Didion. It wasn't good either. No, no. It's all it's all a sham. It's all advertising. That's right. Uh, yeah. I think that she is like... I think that she's choosing to be like quote unquote normal by um, being like with an alpha male that is like going to protect her, tell her what to do. Um, She is choosing to give up her career, her identity, her body, everything so that like she has some safety and consistency. And I I think that it's uh, there's like a necessariness to her being with him that like this is in like with Sir Steven. No, no. With Renee. Like, I think that I think that her her like love for Renee such as it is, because I don't think that it's real love. I think like it's a fixation that she's put on him. Yeah. But then by the end, she kind of gets over it. Because he falls in love with the other woman that she was taking the pictures of. Yeah. And then by the end, she's like completely just devoted to Sir Steven. Yeah. She's like branded. She's pierced. She's wearing an owl mask. Like she's, she's fully insane. And then she kills herself. It's like, yeah, yeah it's just a com- like. She's donezo. She's donezo. But she was donezo like, I feel like she's donezo before she's in the car in that opening scene. Jesus Christ. Like I was I felt like this was like the happy book that we read. I'm sorry. No, it's you're right. You're right. I mean, you are right, Irene. I think it's just that flower <laughs> language will fucking trick me, you know? I'm just like that and I'm like, "Oh, a woman wrote this. She was horny and happy and she just made us a, a fun sexy romp." Well, I think that I think that we can appreciate it on that level too. Like I did I found this the most enjoyable of the books that we read for by far by by, I mean, by far. And I think yeah. like the literary value of it is extremely high. I think that more than the other two also. Yeah. And just like, I mean, Anne Rice is more than 50 shades, but then this more than Anne Rice. E- yeah. And I mean, I think that if this wasn't, if it hadn't been published anonymously, if it hadn't been such a scandal, I think like, if we weren't so prudish as a culture, I think that this would be recognized as more of like classic, like a, like a piece of literature. And I, and I do think it sort of is like, I think that yeah. like people who consider themselves to be like pretty literate or like to like, have read a lot of whatever the classics or to like have an understanding of what was going on in the world. Like, will at least have a passing familiarity with this book. I mean, not that you have to have read it or whatever, but I, I think it's like in the, it's in the mainstream. Yeah, in the mainstream of the assholes, <laughs> which is us. Well, we're putting ourselves in into that category one podcast episode at a time. Um, 
we read this uh, essay about the story of O and the beauty trilogy called The Pervert's Progress. And she makes a point that you just touched on, which is like, this is a really interesting essay. And uh, if we can make a link to it, we will do that so you can read it. It's definitely worth reading. Yeah, especially if you listen to the last one and are listening to this one, because it's like it's like a compare and contrast about the two different books yeah Yeah. and this is i think this is like a really well written well thought out um yeah irene found it it was in um the feminist journal is written by this woman uh amalia Amalia zinn who wrote it in 94 and then it turns out she's like in her 50s now and lives in tel aviv but at the time she was a grad student at brown it's called The Pervert's Progress, an analysis of the story of O and the Beauty Trilogy. We only read the first book of the beauty book, which honestly was quite enough for me. I so, do not <laughs> need to finish that fucking shit. No. So and you she like explains enough in here where you're like, oh, I, I kind of get it. But it, she takes a really interesting stance, which is that um, to, the story of O is essentially a tragedy uh, because of how it ends, which I think it definitely is. And, like, yeah. and that the beauty books are a comedy because it ends in a wedding yeah which kind is like kind of like an aristotelian sort of like way of compart like i categorizing them yeah. yeah she uh and she makes a case for like with the, i mean just in the title like the pervert's progress she finds more like um feminist signaling i guess in the beauty books uh and really like take some time to explore it but something she says is um and i'm i'm gonna Should I just quote this? Yeah. she says uh, it is naive to expect female authored pornography to function as a locus of pure subversion since such an expectation ignores its. That's actually not the quote I wanted to read. Okay. Am I a hot mess? No, you're not. Um, Well, the consequence is that the work fails to attain the literary quality that we find in the story of O and is relegated to the realm of the comic of popular culture. Thus, we face the problem of finding political evaluation and aesthetic judgment in collision. And I believe that while we need to question the ideological functions of aesthetic hierarchies, this contradiction is one we ne- need to learn to live with rather than deny. Just that like we can't be... Um, like swayed by the aesthetic quality of the story of O that it, like we should uh, give it the same evaluation that we give beauty and maybe the beauty books end up being a little bit more subversive or um, progressive uh, than the story of O. But is that like the metric we need to like define what we no. read because like Aesthetics? I would rather I would so much ra- well or, or like being progressive and being subversive no, no, no. like no I, I mean yeah I definitely think that the beauty books are more subversive than this I mean like the beauty books are fucking disgusting like they're crazy like this is like you could read anybody could if you like to read books you could read this book and enjoy it like it's a good book Um, It is a good book. The beauty books are straight up porn. Yes. And they start like there's like a rape on like the second page and it just and that's it. It It just just, like continues. It's relentless. Um, And so which I think is part of the like that's part of the artistic quality of of the books, which we talked about last week. Yeah. And it's like it's badass because you're like, Jesus Christ, this bitch is crazy. She's just going and she's not stopping. And this is like she is like. Missy Elliott in this moment, like <laughs> a, like taking a guy at the VMAs into a UFO. She's like, guess the fuck what? I'm not going to stop. And like, 
you thought I was just going to do two songs. I'm doing five or whatever. Like this is a medley and I'm not. And it just keeps going and going. And she's like, these are my these are my skills, but it's not as enjoyable as watching Missy Elliott at the VMAs because it's porn (laughs) and it's violent sexual content. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. She's showing these are she's showing her she's showing her skills and she's showing her intellect but it's not really readable and that's <laughs> no. an important distinction yeah i i completely agree and i uh that is the, like uh something that is politically appealing to me uh is is not a criteria for art that i enjoy and that feels totalitarian to me i don't want to have the art that i consume reflect my opinions and viewpoints no not necessarily no it shouldn't and and this this um something that this essay pointed out that i appreciated made me appreciate about the uh ann rice book was she talks about how how in it she talks about all three of the books which we only read one thank god we'll never read the other two but (laughs) never um, say never i hope i don't ever have to read the other ones but i think in uh the second book when she goes to the village or she talks about like the female doms in that book and how they show their, I I don't have the quote right in front of me. I guess I can find it, but she talks about how they show their dominance by having beauty um, like, or having uh, Alexi, the prince like service other men or rape other women. And they're sort of like cold and cruel and there's no way to show female pleasure as like a dominant trait because that was sort of like the that's sort of the limit that Anne Rice finds in writing something so extreme that it's like she can't go farther than that because female domination and female pleasure are so such polar opposites in the way we like view female sexuality um which actually to go a step further I think a book that the book that kind of squares that circle is Fifty Shades of Grey where she that book is completely about Anastasia Steele's pleasure in this man's body that is an excellent point and something that I was thinking about as I was reading this essay as well um the uh the class the the whole like concept of class is something that is interesting in in this also yes very interesting and uh can i can i quote something else yeah um it's transgressiveness she quotes susan sontag a lot and i realize i have not read enough susan sontag i guess there's like a susan sontag um essay that's all about this that i have not read i mean we probably should have read it probably, maybe we can read it before the next one or i think that'd be point. i think that'd be great because she talks about marquis de Sade and she talks about george bataille who oh, we took well, off our list yeah see you later george yeah i've already read it it's fine there's a lot of poop um <sighs> okay here's what here's what uh she has to say it's transgressiveness is heightened by the fact that the sexual slavery institution disrupts and reverses the power hierarchy the slaves belong precisely to that class that is endowed with the utmost power and is otherwise exempt from any kind of subjugation and they are subordinated not only to their peers, but also to their social inferiors, which is yeah. something that comes up in beauty um, that uh, yeah. she makes the point that like beauty is progressive because 
it's like there's no judgment placed on same-sex relationships but then also that um these uh the the princes or princesses who come from neighboring castles can be dominated by uh people of a lower class yeah and like the story of O is very much like high Parisian society. Yeah. It's like chateaus and velvet capes. It's eyes wide shut. It's eyes wide shut. It's just like, honestly, instead of reading any of these or listening to this podcast, just watch eyes wide shut. It's so good. Just like imagine a mask and a whip. Oh my God. Honestly, sorry. I went out of curiosity today. I full blown watched like a fucking straight up SNM porn. You did? What'd you think? It was fucking weird. What did you watch? Where did you, like, what did I you went search? on like Pornhub and I just like clicked around until I found like, uh, sure. It took 10 seconds. It took 10 seconds. As and long they as it took you to type. Yeah. Pornhub. Well, they didn't com. have, I went through the categories and I was like, they didn't have one that was like S and M or whatever. They had one called bondage and I clicked on that. And then there was this one called like bondage, like maids. And I was like, this kind of looks like this bondage t- maze maids. Oh, <laughs> And it was absolutely horrific. It was like, it, first of all, it had a full credit sequence where it was like, um, like the cinematographers and stuff were like master, like Vox or like Matt, like these like three letter words, master this. And then like, and then like some of the other cinematographers were like slave Diane or whatever. Like everyone had a name like master or slave, like the whole crew was either a slave or a master. And the movie was like this naked woman on her knees and this like fully clothed man, like standing in front or like sitting in an armchair in front of her. And he's got like this little whip and he just like very like tepidly and like, I think like impotently, but whatever, like is like flicking her nipples and her vagina with this like little whip feathery whip thing. And then it would just like be a close up on her face and it would be like dun dun. And then it would like be like a freeze frame on her face and like zoom in and become like saturated, like sepia tone and like zoom in on her. This sounds so it was like produced. Yes, it was insane. And then it would like cut to her like cleaning the like mantle with a feather duster on her teeth. And then it would like cut back to that scene like from like a different variation of the exact same thing with the same guy. <laughs> and then back to her like oh and then at the end she's like rubbing the, she's like wiping the floor with a cloth and he's got a like a dildo on a stick up her butt and he's like moving her around like she's the mop and then it like again closes in on her face and it's like dun dun and then it was like roll the credits like very detailed like credits uh that's good because i can't come unless there's a very detailed credit sequence very detailed credit sequence and it's the only reason i go to marvel movies <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Yeah. I don't see more. Yeah, movies. I can only come if there's like a mid credits and post credits scene. <laughs> so like the last Avengers didn't do it for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there was like no sex. Like there was nothing. It was just like very. It was like super weird. It was like it was creepy. It was terrifying. That sounds really, really unsettling. And you know yeah. that's like filmed in a warehouse in Van Nuys. I mean, I thought it was like filmed in like some like parents basement in Berkeley. Like it felt like it was like a bunch of people who were like, we're going to start a collective of like our S and M like club and we're going to make films. But like, excuse me, like sir Kevin, 
Um, I want my name to be on it if I'm holding the camera. Like, I want a cinematography credit. And he's like, I understand, Slave Margaret. You're going to get your fucking credit. Like, it seemed very, like, it felt very nitpicky. And I'm like, I don't understand why slaves are getting credit, but they did. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's just, like, a world I can't understand. Um, Do you ever see in, like, I think uh, in, like, some of the, um, some of the, like, those bondage um porns they'll uh they have to like s- pose at the end and be like oh that was so much fun uh t- <laughs> i love that oh it's like the woman is like she looks like she went through a car wash in like i mean the like back i've of a seen truck. like at the end of like a porn like the woman is like literally covered in cum like mascara is running down her face she's been like gagged and beaten and then she like has like a big smile and she's like that was great or something like <laughs> i love my job yeah like this it it's worth it uh, can anybody oh give me a ride yeah i'm starting a jewelry line i have a jewelry company follow me on instagram <laughs> oh. i know um all right well well okay so we gotta wrap this up yeah do you let's have do it? it all right final thoughts yeah um i think the story was so far the best thing that we've read and i really i really am glad that we read it i am too i mean like uh this book really was a breath of fresh air compared to the fucking bullshit <laughs> that we've been reading this whole time and i literally am terrified to read the fucking the marquis de sod's bullshit because i know that's gonna suck the granddaddy of it all the granddaddy and i have read it before and it is boring so i just am afraid to know what they were getting up to before there was indoor plumbing and women writers yeah. And I mean, he, the whole idea of like libertinism as Give like a, break. a French, um, like a valid way of life in France is pretty gross. Um, I agree. We'll talk about it more next week. And we're going to find out all about it, unfortunately for us, but maybe fortunately for you, if you like this podcast. Oh, if you like this podcast, hey, please subscribe, subscribe. tell a friend, tell a friend. Uh, download the episodes and please rate us rate us five stars we'd love a five-star review that's r-a-t-e r-a-t-e u-s five stars but if you hate us and want to rate us one star or think we're okay and want to rate us three stars that's fine too it's all gonna help people find our podcast on itunes so whatever just please rate us and we're on stitcher we're on all the things right i don't think we're on stitcher but we're on stitcher well, great. Then find us on Stitcher. <laughs> find us on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Spotify. Spotify. Find us all over the fucking just place. Just find us. Just find us. Just find us and listen to it. And if you see us out in the world, say hi. Say hi. We probably know you. Okay. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Gonna trust the experts on this one